Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are at today, whatever point of the day you're in. Oh, one puppy dog's going to come out with us. Very excited. Oh, yes, yes. For those of y'all that continue, yes, I see you. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, thank y'all so much. I'm incredibly grateful, humbled. Uh, it continues to grow, and so thank you so very much. Hopefully, y'all are getting something out of it, and the people that y'all share it with. And here comes the other puppy dog. <laughs> and hopefully, our country is too, just a little bit. I'm gonna go for one of our walks today. Obviously, have both the dogs, and actually, that's about it. Hear the rooster way back in the background. Must be up to something very important. Uh, it is still hot. It is still dry. There is still no rain. And I think that's about, we're trying to save a couple of our trees. I think that's about it, <laughs> which isn't enough. So we're going to get going today. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different people. But all kind of along the same lines. I think it'll become pretty clear. We're going to start actually with Ronald Reagan. This is just a little snippet out of his January 1967 inaugural address as governor of California. Perhaps you and I have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people, and in the, and those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Knowing this, it's hard to explain those among us even today who would question the people's capacity for self-government. I've often wondered if they will answer, those who subscribe to that philosophy, if no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? Using the temporary authority granted by the people in increasing number lately at all levels of government, they have sought to control even of the means of production, as if they could do this without eventually controlling those who produce. And, always, they explain, this is necessary to the people's welfare. The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. This was written in 1748, and it's as true today as it was then. Now, it is inconceivable to me that anyone could accept this delegated authority without asking God's help. And I pray that we of the legislature and administration can be granted the wisdom and the strength beyond our own limited powers, that with divine guidance we can avoid easy expedience, that we can work to build a state where liberty under law and justice can triumph, where compassion can govern, and wherein the people can participate and prosper because of their government and not in spite of it. lot there. Uh, 
think the big thing, folks, is that time and time again throughout history, when people have lost freedom, uh, it's just almost impossible to get it back. And and we are. We've lost so much that we don't even recognize already. You know, he's talking about the regulations, in this case, on those who produce. I can't imagine what he would say today, even just 50 years later, about the amazing, in a bad way, burden placed on people who actually produce and work for a living. And his comment was so insightful about, you know, all the time we hear about, well, that's somebody's right, this welfare. We're just trying to take care of people. It's amazing that in order for the government to take care of people, they always have to place a a hardship on somebody else. They always have to take a right away from somebody else. You know, the one that pops in my head immediately is abortion. In order to give this woman the right to kill her own child, they have to take the the actual right, the true right, away from the child to live. Um, you know, you can talk about the LGBTQ relationships today. In order for them to have the right to do what they want to do, which goes against morality and virtue of almost all history, they have to take away the right to freedom of religion and freedom of speech from other individuals. But it's all about the welfare. We're just trying to take care of people. Uh, And then his comment again at the end, you know, every time you hear somebody say this is not a Christian nation, not a God-fearing nation at its conception, uh, it just just isn't true. And our, our greatest leaders, and even some of our really bad leaders, which I think is all the more damning, they acknowledge this fact. It kind of reminds me of the New Testament scripture again and again. Uh, and I can't, I can't pull the exact situation right now, folks, but where the, the comment is made that, you know, good, even, even the devils, even the demons acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the son of God and tremble. So I'm going to go to Lincoln. This is his Lyceum address from 1838. See how much we can get in here. Oh, yeah. In the great journal of things happening under the sun, we, the American people, find our account running under date of the 19th century of the Christian era. We find ourselves in the peaceful possession of the fairest portion of the earth as regards extent of territory, fertility of soil, and sublime. Sayaburti, nice climate. We find ourselves under the government of a system of political institutions, conducing more essentially to the ends of civil and religious liberty than any of which the history of former times tells us. We, when mounting the stage of existence, found ourselves the legal inheritors of these fundamental blessings. We toiled not in the acquirement or establishment of them, They are a legacy bequeathed us by a once hardy, brave, and patriotic, but now lamented and departed race of ancestors. Theirs was the task, and nobly they performed it, to possess themselves and through themselves us of this goodly land, 
and to uprear upon its hills and its valleys a political edifice of liberty and equal rights. Tis ours only to transmit these, the former unprofaned by the foot of an invader, the latter undecayed by the lapse of time and untorn by usurpation, to the latest generation that fate shall permit the world to know. This task of gratitude to our fathers, justice to ourselves, duty to posterity, and love for our species in general, all imperatively require us faithfully to perform. How then shall we perform it? And at what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined, with all the treasure of the earth, our own excepted, in their military chest, with a Bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio, or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. I talk about this quote often. I don't read it probably as often as I should come back to it. You know, I haven't talked about this in a little while, but in the Marine Corps, one of the things that they harped on was muscle memory. You do something. We would sit there, you know, when we had to fire weapons, we would sit there and dry fire. It used to drive me absolutely insane and, and my compatriots as well, because it, it's just mind numbing. You know, you have to make yourself not let it be mind-numbing because it's really important. You just don't realize that at the time. That dry firing over and over and over again, that practice, you know, eject the magazine, load the magazine, fire, that slow trigger pull, all these things go into it. And and the reason it's so important is because then when you get in a situation where you're you're scared, when you're terrified, when you're hurt, when you're alone, when you're sleep-deprived, uh, when your brain's not functioning like it should be because you've been awake for 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is, when you've been on post for 10, 12, 15 hours staring at the same thing, right? Those are the times when your body takes over because you've done that movement a million times. And that's so true for us today. You know, we need these things in our hearts and in our minds, just like we need even more than in this, we need God and the Bible in our hearts and our minds, because then when we come up to these situations, it's not Instagram reels and TikTok videos and Snapchats that make it into our head or Amazon or Netflix movies or whatever it is, or the latest sports show we watched or our kid running bases or scoring a touchdown or volleyball or basketball. Those aren't the things we need in those moments. The things we need in those moments are that sure foundation, that truth. We need the ties to God, the ties to family, love of spouse and children, um, country. We need the solid foundation to turn back to. And if we don't repeatedly have that time and time and time again, we don't get this muscle memory. Then when 
push comes to shove, we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, again, you know, Reagan here saying pretty much what Ronald Reagan did over a century later. Uh, if we lose it, folks, it's, it's going to be on us. And we are losing it today. We are that generation that's losing freedom right now. We can turn it around, um, maybe at the ballot box, I don't think. But with a fight, certainly. All things are possible with God. The Bible tells us that clearly. It may not work out that way. You know, the Israelis ended up going into exile. But at least we have a chance with him to turn it around. And at least that way, even if we lose it, some of us, it'll be said about us in history that at least they fought, at least they, at least they tried to hold on to liberty and freedom. John Adams. Well, let me do this one first. Franklin. So James McHenry was a delegate uh, to the Federal Convention from Maryland and to the Constitutional Convention. And he wrote a pretty extensive journal, although he wasn't there for a large chunk of the convention. And one of the exchanges that he wrote was between Dr. Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, and another lady. And it went something like this out of his journal uh, from, I think this is from September of 1787. A lady asked Dr. Franklin, well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? A republic, replied the doctor, if you can keep it. And the lady here alluded to was Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia. And then now I'll go into, uh, this is from John, a letter from John to Abigail Adams, his wife, on 17, June 1775, I think. Your description, he was writing about a letter that Abigail, they had a great, love uh, love life folks in in letters there's a book out there i think the author's name is ellis you ever get a chance it's a phenomenal example of i think you know you're looking back through history so it's it's hard to tell but they had a really solid marriage they made some mistakes especially with their kids and the amount of time that adams chose to be away um, but pretty phenomenal relationship Really phenomenal one woman. Uh, she would be categorically uh, ostracized today by feminists because she absolutely embraced her roles as a woman, as a mother, stay at home, raise the kids, um, really run the household, right? Be supportive of her husband's career, love her husband, put her husband before herself. Um, so just pretty interesting lady. Your description of the distresses of the worthy inhabitants of Boston and the other seaport towns is enough to melt a heart of stone. Our consolation must be this, my dear, that cities may be rebuilt and a people reduced to poverty may acquire fresh property. But a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. Liberty once lost is lost forever. When the people once surrender their share in the legislature and their right of defending the limitations upon the government and of reinstating every encroachment upon them, they can never again regain it. So all of this ties together, folks, hopefully pretty clearly. Uh, but if we don't stop giving up our rights and liberties, and I'm I'm. Man, that's dangerous because you hear so many people talk today about, oh, well, I'm entitled to this. I have a right to that. No, 
I'm talking about the fundamental, the rights laid out in our declaration, the Bill of Rights, all based on, you know, if you want to claim those folks, you have to acknowledge the fact that they come from God and the Bible and the teachings of Christ. You can't claim them just like you can't claim to love. You can claim to love America, but you can't really love America if you don't acknowledge what the, the foundation of America is based on God and the Bible and the teachings of Christ. It's impossible. You don't have to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, although, man, uh, I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, but you have to acknowledge those principles to really, truly embrace America and the freedoms and liberties, the rights therein. And our founders understood that. And and these men, Reagan, we talked about Reagan and Franklin and John Adams and Abraham Lincoln, arguably some of our greatest leaders throughout the entire history of our country. And they're all saying the same thing. If you, if we, you lose this, once it's gone, it's gone. You know, and, and Lincoln's quote so often, the only way you're going to lose it is yourselves. And we're doing a pretty dang good job, folks. Our greatest threat is not China, although that's a threat. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. But it, that's not our greatest threat, or even close. It's not Iran. Uh, it's not Muslim terrorism or any of these things. It is we the people, and particularly those American citizens that choose, continually choose to follow the evil, godless values of the left. That is, without a doubt, the greatest threat to our republic today. Uh, and, and that's uncomfortable because it, it, by default, includes those family members and friends and people that we go to work with and our neighbors, but the ones that continue, you know, we can't sit around and pretend we can all sit there and sing Kumbaya and be happy together, folks. When you have fundamentally opposing views, and those are fundamentally opposing views between those who hold to the teachings of Christ as the foundation of our country and, and those who reject them outright and reject that history and that heritage of our country. There's no there's no reconciliation there, folks, and that's an uncomfortable truth, but it is nonetheless. And we better wake up or we're going to look up and see that we've lost everything that was fought for. All right. Puppy dogs have abandoned me. I'll leave y'all alone for today. Sure to appreciate y'all giving me a little bit of your time each day. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Sure to look forward to it.